Welcome back to What Brought You Here Today. On today's episode, I sit down with Brooke, a licensed professional clinical counselor who has a passion for helping people create lives more in line with their authentic selves. Brooke has a passion for helping millennial and Gen Z women who are dealing with symptoms of anxiety, depression, trauma, and other life stressors. On today's episode, we talk about the societal pressures on women, raising young children in this world, boundaries, and how to navigate your mental health in a technology-driven world. There is a brief mention of miscarriage in this episode around 22 minutes in. Please take care while listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. What brought you here today? I am Ryan, your host, and I am so happy to be joined today by Brooke. She is a fellow therapist in Minnesota. So this is exciting. We didn't have to navigate time zones. We're maybe experiencing the spring-like weather, the fall-like weather that we're having, which is really weird that it's five days before Christmas and there's no snow on the ground. The high today is 40, but great, kind of wild. So thank you for being here, Brooke. I'm so glad this worked out. Why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself? So I'm Brooke Halliday. I have my own private practice up in Alexandria, Minnesota called Redbird Counseling. I serve millennial and Gen Z women who are, you know, making the change of realizing that society was not set up for us to succeed and wanting to push back on some of those norms and expectations. And with that, the boundaries that need to change, the beliefs about ourselves, the anxiety that comes with all of that, and really just kind of helping women to create a world that everyone is welcome and accepted and happy. How long have you been in this profession? I have been in this profession for eight or nine years. I worked in group homes before I worked as a therapist. And so I've been in the mental health realm of things for probably closer to like 10 years. Yeah. How did you land on your kind of like niche specialty? So I did EMDR training when I, when was this? During the pandemic, maybe like right after the pandemic started, I started working getting trained in EMDR and working with clients who, you know, were experiencing different types of trauma. And when I was younger, I had this goal to be Olivia Benson from Law and Order SV. <laughs> and so I, I really thought that I wanted to work with either sex offenders or victims of sexual violence. And so when I started doing my EMDR training and I started really gravitating towards clients who have experienced sexual violence, I've learned pulling back the layers of like the sexual assaults and sexual violence in EMDR reprocessing, that there's so many societal pressures and expectations. And I started getting really interested in that realm of things and just like the judgments we have about ourselves and how we get to those judgments and how much other people's perception of us influences how we choose to structure and create our lives. And so I just kind of fell into it, which kind of feels great, actually. So Yeah, that's amazing. That's so interesting that you say that. When I was working, Brooke and I were chatting a little bit before we started this, that I worked in a couple inpatient settings and I initially wanted to go for forensic psychology and work as like a psychologist in like jury selection on big cases like sex offenders, murders. And I I had just like kind of a scary experience working in the hospital. I was like, maybe this is not for me. (laughs) My big thing was, I didn't want to carry a gun, which is why I never Fair. wanted to do And because I, one of my majors in undergrad was criminal justice. And so like I went through the whole program and then at the end I was like, oh my gosh, I have to do the skills training and like carry a gun and get tased and maced and stuff. Okay, I'm done. I'm good. We're going to find a different path. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's not for everybody. It's not okay. No. <laughs> but I think we go into this field in profession with a hope or an expectation that we are going to work with this really specific population that is underserved, needs a lot of support, and that's not always the case. And the okay too. Yes. I'm just curious. I want to kind of circle back to like the societal pressure, but I'm I was just still looking through your bio on your website and it says thought field therapy. What is that? That's the tapping that you do with like the end points. So that's thought field therapy. I primarily use it with people who experience anxiety or like panic attacks. I do the tapping with sequencing to engage all the cortexes of your brain, which just kind of helps us process through things a little bit more quickly. Yeah. I think I'm more familiar with it being called EFT. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that makes total sense. I love tapping. It's so cool. I have the tapping solution that I use. Okay. So let's go back to kind of the societal pressures and working with women and and maybe what you've seen through your experience now that we're coming out of the pandemic. What, like, how did it start and where are we now from your experience? Ooh, it's so hard. Yeah. And it's like so hard to differentiate between like my clients experience of things that like happened for them during the pandemic to like currently, because I feel like I grew so much as a person and as a therapist in that amount of time too. And so I guess I'll speak from my perspective just in, I realized that I can set boundaries and like, just because something has always been, doesn't mean it needs to always continue. And so I realized that like, I don't have to go to every event that I'm invited to and I don't have to raise my kids how other people raise their kids and my family celebrations can look how I want them to and my job can look how I want them to and it's just like this whole mind shift of like no you can actually do whatever you want like there's not rules out there that you have to follow even though people are going to tell you that there are right because society put so much pressure on fitting into a box that's not made for everybody. Correct. And I think as a mom and as a therapist who works with kids, I see this so much in my own practice and even in my own life that we we should be performing and doing things a certain way because that's what we're taught or told. Or if we don't, we're a failure, not good enough. It's wrong. Our kids are going to be messed up. Like, how have you helped people navigate that pressure? I think all I really do is offer them the option. And so like with the holidays and like, you know, people talk about stressors and I have to go here, 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 and I don't want to do this. It's simply just being like, well, what do you want to do? Is like, nobody's ever asked them that question before. They've never even asked themselves, like, what do you want to do? What's going to feel good to you? What would be like your most ideal holiday? And so like, even posing that question to people has just been like, really shifting of their process in therapy because then they can problem solve it on their own. Well, I'll do this and this is my reason for it. And then part of my role is supporting them in dealing with the discomfort that's going to come from the pushback from people in their lives. Because as we set these boundaries with siblings, parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, like we're talking different generations, which means different expectations of like upbringings and, you know, how a wife or a daughter or whoever is supposed to behave. And so helping them understand that when they get pushback, 
It's not because they're doing anything wrong. It's not because they're a bad person or that they're like intentionally trying to hurt somebody or create conflicts. It's more about just like other generations have a hard time understanding that things can be different because it's never been different. It's never been this whole world of what do you want it to be? Make it what you want. Yeah. What a life-changing question. I had this conversation with a client yesterday who was doing all like traveling multiple places with for the holidays with multiple small children and pets. No, (laughs) it's just like, right. We're both like, no, thank you. And, you know, I'm very fortunate that my family is here in Minnesota, but even traveling like the one hour with my one daughter is a lot of work. So I can only imagine the added stress that comes with three kids, a dog, out of state travels that aren't very close to each other. Right. And just navigating that. And we were talking and I was like, what would your ideal holiday look like? Like, what would winter break be like for you guys? Mm -hmm. And the response was, I think we would stay home. I was like, you can do that. (laughs) You know, you can do that. But I think that we get so caught up in the disappointment of other people. And And the worrying or like the projecting that their discomfort is our issue yes 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 and I have a lot of conversations and I'm sure you do too that in order for us to change we have to be able to sit in the discomfort for a little bit right we have to like sit in the mud and in the icky feeling but we don't have to also take on their discomfort and their maybe unwillingness or inability or struggle with the change how do you help them through that part? That their discomfort is not your discomfort or issue. I think that's where like using EMDR comes back into play a lot of times is because people learn those messages so young, like be the good kid, you know, just go along with what your parents are saying, respect your parents, you know, whatever these things are, or you're a bad kid because your parents are upset because you're misbehaving, you know, all of these things that we internalize year after year to year. It, it just builds up for us. And so to go back now with the reprocessing and say like, but are you actually a bad person? Are you actually a bad person? Because you have a different idea of what your holiday would look like compared to your parents. Like, and so it's, it's some of this reprocessing, rewiring how we view ourselves and knowing that like, there's nothing wrong with us for wanting something different than what our parents want. Like that doesn't make us bad people. We can just have different desires. And I think it comes down, we're also allowed to set new and different like traditions for our own families. Yeah. Right. And I think that's my husband and I very intentionally went from spending Christmas with his side of the family, like on Christmas Day to having Christmas just be for us. Yep. Us too. (laughs) I wanted to be home with my (laughs) and my husband and jammies and like just enjoy watching kids like bask in the newness of whatever they get or don't get or you know and and just have it be a slow day filled with like food that you want to eat and being comfortable enjoying like the slow moments of things I grew up in a divorced family and so the holidays were split and they were busy and frantic and I just remember like getting to the end of Christmas day and being like I am so tired I am so glad the holidays are over and I don't want that feeling like I don't want to be that I made it through a day I want to enjoy the whole day Right. And the day 
then you have the traveling and like moving of all of the gifts and trying to manage everyone else's expectations. And I was just like, we were both like, we just want Christmas to be for our family. Mm -hmm. There was totally some like discomfort and uh, like not fully understanding of like, we've always done it this way. But we we are moving, we are going to do it a different way. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And that's what's best for our family unit. But you still get us on Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's not that I won't see you for the right. holiday. I'm just going to protect yeah. days with the traditions I want to carve out with the, the family I created. Yeah. So I think it's it's really learning to, like you said, reprocess and really just sit with sit with the discomfort, but also be able to stand in your choice and knowing that the choice that you're making is best for you and your family. And at the end of the day, that's kind of what matters. Right. What other expectations do you hear your clients coming in with, or even maybe people in your social circle? Like, I am constantly hearing, like, I'm not a good enough parent, or like all of these gentle parenting, or like sleep training, or like whatever it is, you know, the newest trend on social media is making us as moms and parents just kind of feel like floundering, like we're just treading water all the time. I think that's like just the general feeling that people have these days is like, no matter what I do, it's never enough. It's never good enough. I don't feel good in it. And so it's like this like overall feeling of discontentment in life, even though, you know, I I have the degree and I have the house and I have the kid and I have the car. You know, I have all of these things that everybody told me that I needed to do these things to be happy, to be successful, to have a good life. And I'm here now and I feel like crap. And so a lot of it is going back and it's like, but did you want that? Or did society tell you that you want that degree? Did society tell you that you needed to get married right after college? Did you want to get married? Right? Like, it's a lot of this comparative, like, what's the life that you wanted? What are the things that are important to you compared to what are the boxes you were supposed to check? And now have you feeling empty? So yeah, it's a lot a great of that. Yeah. And it's a lot of that. It's a lot of kind of like checking in with the relationships that people are pouring into in their life. Are you pouring into them because you just had them for a really long time? It's family, it's high school friends, or is it because these relationships fill you up? These are relationships mm-hmm. you feel good about yourself and your life. And these people help you to be a better person, which is, you know, part of what relationships are for. And so it's a lot of like really analyzing kind of the things we overlook regularly in our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's great that you bring up the relationships that you pour into since my daughter was born in August 2020, like the height of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I think since becoming a mom, maybe like the last year and a half, I've seen a lot of shift in my friendships and in kind of the dynamics in my own personal friendships, maybe not necessarily like the shared friendships that me and my husband have in that social circle, but in just really learning to to be okay that you're not we're not meant for everybody all of the time and that's okay like people can come in and out of our lives and people are meant to serve purposes at different times and throughout kind of the loss of some friendships I've also gained really good friendships Mm -hmm. that have felt easier and maybe more supportive and are just different because we can both be in the same season of life 
and, mm-hmm. you know, like raising kids together or whatever it is. But it also just feels at the same time, like, am I a bad person because I I lost some friends? You know, like, because I wasn't nobody... able to maintain these relationships. We don't talk enough about the grief that comes from, like, losing friendships and, like, that it shifts us as a person to like have to make room for different people in our hearts and our life and like to let go of that kind of feels like letting go of like a part of your life and moving forward and like that's a lot of stuff to process through and so if we're holding on to things relationships people that aren't in line with the season of life that we're in like we're not fully engaged in the season of life that we're in right now there's no possible way so right totally yeah and I think it's then you're just not fully engaged in the relationship, right? Like it's it's either surface level or it's forced or it just doesn't feel right or like one person's maybe not just like fully happy in the friendship or the relationship or whatever it is. And I don't know, it just feels like an interesting dynamic now that I'm inching closer to 40 of being like, it's okay that I don't want have a ton of friends. I don't want a ton of friends. I can't manage that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am very much an introvert outside of work and the like the thought of navigating so many friendships or like acquaintances is very overwhelming to me I have like four friends and I am totally fine with that and it's a lot to try and keep up with friends people who have big friends I'm like oh my gosh you must have so and so much energy how do you do that (laughs) right yeah my husband is very much like the kind of poster child for extrovertedness like lots of friends still all of his college friends like and they're very intentional about spending time together and he thrives in the environment I have kind of by marriage accumulated all of these people too and they're amazing and wonderful but I think still at the end of the day like my little circle is I would also be okay without the other stuff Mm -hmm. right like if my life wasn't in this place that it is now and I just still had these four friends, I would be content. And maybe that's what it is, like being content with what you have and where you're where you are. Because people on the outside might look in and be like, well, you only have four friends. Like you need yeah. more friends than that. And so like, again, that's society being like, especially in America where it's like more, 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 we just need more constantly. And so saying like oh I have these four friends and I'm really content is really polar opposite to that like American mentality too and so it's like even recognizing that is a big thing Mm -hmm. and I think I have this conversation I see some moms on my caseload of like if you just have like your one support person right like you still have your partner or if you don't that's but you just I think you really just need like that one person who is there for you no matter what like no matter what the season is, no matter what you're going through, like you can bounce things off of. They're they're there for a hug if you need it. That's what's important. Yeah. It's not having all of these friends and all of these people and all of these situations that you need to learn to like manage and plan for. And how are we going to see all these people and get every like getting everybody together, which is great, but it adds a lot to what else is going on yes and just the expectations that we need to have that many people all the time which is interesting to me I don't know I've been on a break from social media this month and I'm just like maybe I keep this going 
<laughs> I don't use uh, social media for personal use. I basically just use it for my business. Yeah. And making that shift was so huge in like my own mental health. I didn't realize all of the things that were influencing my mood until I like removed them from my life. And then I was like, oh my gosh, it is so much easier to make decisions based on just what I want, just what's right for me when I'm not constantly, you know, having my mood shift because this person has this and now I'm jealous or I said this yeah. and it made me sad. And like, yeah, so such a big change. Yeah, I did this last year too, where I took off the month of December and this year feels much different I think because this past year I've kind of shifted to making it like more mental health based and more business focused but I'm still just at the point of like I don't know if I want to go back or maybe I go back in a different capacity but also as we talk you know like we are therapists in a world where we do have large platforms and I think maybe it feels like some of the the ability to get clients from some of those platforms comes to comes from there too of like I could have a pretty significant reach on Instagram and help a lot more people I but think about the end, world that I want to create for like our kids yeah. I think part of that is sharing the knowledge that like I've gained either through life experience or school or work like putting that out there in a way that's like accessible to people where they're not having to pay for everything, where they can just consume something and like take it or leave it. It doesn't matter, but it's out there. And I'm putting positive hope, resilience out there in the world so people know it's possible. And like yeah. it, my kid is my big like motivating factor for things in life. And I just want him to grow up in a world that's better than what we had before, you know, as our parents wanted for us. And so this feels like part of my way to do that. As much as I don't like social media, I also want the world to be better than what it is. Yeah, I 100% agree. I'm curious how, do you mind me asking how old your son is? He is, everybody wants a month. He turns two in March. So. Oh. <laughs> also, you don't have to talk in months. For five. <laughs> turns two in March. <laughs> oh, so fun. So my daughter turned three in August. And... I think now, like, sh they're becoming real. You know, they're obviously always real people. Yes. But, like, they are becoming, like, their own person. And their personalities are growing and showing. And two and three and four is such this, like, wild, fun, exhausting adventure. How has becoming a mom, like, shifted your approach in therapy or maybe kind of the way you show up? Because it's shifted mine. Yeah. I think that's hard, kind of hard to answer unless I give you guys just a little backstory. So I'm just going to give you a really quick abbreviated version. Yeah. So I actually got pregnant for the first time during the pandemic in 2020. And at 30 weeks, I actually ended up losing my daughter. So that was my first pregnancy. And then I got pregnant. With, I lost her in January of 2021. I got pregnant with my son later that summer. And so going through the grief process and then becoming a parent, just like becoming it feels like I became a whole new person after, you know, experiencing such a big loss and then like having such a big like gift given to me in my life. It just it shifted how I viewed the world and the potential that I see in people and my belief in resiliency. I've always believed in, you know, people can survive some crazy, crazy. Things. And then after like losing my daughter myself, I, I constantly go back to this question of what couldn't you come back from? 
Like if you if people can survive losing their children, like what can't we do? And not that like, oh, losing my daughter was like this huge, like great learning experience because I could have learned the same thing in a different way. It just I, I learned this lesson of, yep, I lost her and I did something with that energy. And that's how I opened my own practice and how I got, you know, into you know, helping the population that I do all of these different things, it just gave me such greater depth for connecting with people. And so becoming a mom has done that for me in that I can see people in a different way. I can understand the parent perspective of things a little bit better than I could before, as much as I hate to admit that. I just, my compassion for people has grown, I guess is the best way to answer your question. How do you think that translates into creating a better world for your child or you know our next generation because I feel the same that I want to leave this place a, a better place than it's been but also don't really know how to do that in kind of a terrible world right now so I guess the approach I'm taking right now as I try and stay focused on my little world my li little community doing what I can within my family system is I want to just accept people for who they are, whether that's gender identity, sexuality, um, race, religion. I just want people to be accepted for people. Like, I don't care about the other stuff. I will respect whatever it is that you want me to respect about you. I just want you to know you can come to me and feel safe and accepted and whole and enough. And like, I think if just more people could do that, if we could make a world where people can just be who they are and lean into the gifts that they naturally have, it would have such a huge ripple effect on things. And just to feel safe, like, could you imagine everybody's nervous systems feeling safe? I just like, it gives me chills to think about because yeah. we would just all interact with each other so differently. And like, mm -hmm. I just, that's the world I want is like one where people are regulated and connected and cared for. I think that would be a beautiful world. I want that same world. <laughs> We'll get like there. For, for me and for my daughter and for all of the kids that are being raised right now. And I think even us as adults, we are probably severely dysregulated. I think, you know, a lot of us are maybe fortunate to have the skills to be less dysregulated. I think we're aware of it, too, which is like one right. of the generational things that millennials and Gen Z are faced with is like, we now know we're dysregulated. I would make the argument that generations before us maybe didn't realize how dysregulated right. they were. Now we have the knowledge. So <laughs> if someone with that knowledge are going to continue to perpetuate this world that we've had for so long. And like, it's a heavy burden for us to carry. And I guess I would rather do something about it than just pass the buck to the next generation. Yeah, 100%. I think in, this has come up on in conversations before, like in my office, on the podcast with other people of like we think that the way we were parented is was the right way and you know there I feel like there's no right or wrong way in parenting right there are there's always room for improvement and growth and just understanding that our children are also individual people mm -hmm. right they they don't know anything they're kids like it is our job to help guide them and educate them and move them through this life without the expectation that they should just know everything. But I have this conversation a lot of like, I turned out fine. Oh, okay. but <laughs> just that like, treatment so much makes my skin crawl. <laughs> Literally, everyone's response to it. 
But think about it. Like, and I pose this question back to, especially a lot with like the parents that I work with. I'm like, but did you? Right. Did you? Because you are doing the same thing to your child that your parents did to you. And you don't want your child to do that. But I think so it helped me understand. Right. And we need to dis- define what this fine is. I turned right. out fine. Okay. So from the outside, if somebody was looking at me from the outside and we went back a couple of years, they would say, oh, Brooke has a master's degree and she's owned a house and she lives with her husband and she has friends and all of these things. Okay, great. That looks really fine from the outside. But what about like how I feel about myself? What about the like crippling anxiety that I'm managing every day? What about the periods of depression that people don't see? Like, is that really fine? Or is it just that it's fine from the outside? Yeah, I think that's a totally valid way of looking at it. And what we expect, right? Because we don't know the inner workings, right? I don't think we're still at a place where people feel comfortable saying like, I am not fine. The way that I was raised was, it was okay. I survived it. I got to where I am. Right. And now I have different knowledge, different resources, and I can choose to do something different. Yeah, 100%. But I think that that phrase and getting kind of people to wrap their head around, like, what does fine look like? Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? Because I think it looks a little different as a professional, as a parent, as a human being. Like, I would imagine that we are similar ages. Like, our generation is maybe not fine. We are not fine. <laughs> nope. we, we want so badly to be fine. But we're not. And I think, do you think part of that is because we're so aware and we are wanting so badly to break some of the cycles? I mean, I just try and keep in mind, like, historically, look at all the things Mm -hmm. that millennials experienced, like 9-11, housing crash, like all of these things that we experienced. Not only that, but like the uptick of technology, cell phones, texting. Social media, like all of these things were not really around when I was a kid. Like when I had to do research for a paper, we had to go get encyclopedia books off the library shelf. You know what I mean? Like the world is such a different place now. And so like, I think we're like the adapting generation, right? Like we experienced all of the changes and we were trying to catch up with it. And so we're trying to adapt ourselves to all of these shifts that happened. We have information. We're like finally being like, okay, what are we doing with all this? We have this technology is supposed to make life better, but things feel like shit. Like, what, what do we do now? And so it's just, it's something. Yeah. I think it goes back to the boundaries piece too and kind of the prevalence and the, the increase in the talk about boundaries of that boundaries aren't bad. They're not negative. We are truly just trying to protect ourselves and regulate our nervous system and do what's best for us as individuals, as family units, whatever that boundary is, but but that it's never like a negative towards the other person. We only set boundaries for things we care about. And so like when right. I was a child, we had a fence in our yard. Protect your toys, your pets, your kids, 
Like those are the things that are important to us. We set boundaries to keep things that are important to us, to keep relationships, to keep our mental health going good, like to keep our health well. Like the things we set boundaries for are to improve our life. They're not barriers like people think about them a lot of the times. Right. I think I have that conversation too of like the boundary can flex. Yes. Right. It it can it can bend, but it can't. If you fully remove it, then it's not a boundary anymore. And then you're circling back into what it was before. And possibly maybe even worse because you tried to set this boundary and you couldn't withhold it, like uphold it. So then there's some more resentment and some more icky feelings. And then we have to try again. What has been kind of the most impactful part of your work? Oh my gosh. I really want to answer that. I feel like that could go so many ways. You have time. <laughs> I think what feels impactful for me when I'm watching other people is when they gain the confidence in themselves to go out into their life and they make decisions confidently and they embrace who they are and there can be this acceptance around the things that happen to me don't define who I am. And so when people like really own that, it is such a privilege to do my job, to watch people reach this place of acceptance because from the outside, like I know that they're great. I enjoy meeting with them. I know how wonderful they are. When they can get that themselves, it's like, it's so beautiful. I know they're going to go out in the world and they're going to make a difference because people like that make a difference in the world. Right. Then for selfishly for me, like, it just reaffirms for me, like, people can change. This world can change. Like, this work is important that I'm doing with these people. It's hard. It's exhausting. And I'm going to keep fighting the good fight for people, with people. Yeah, I think it's kind of that light bulb moment of, oh, like, you get it. Things are clicking. We're, we're moving towards something happier, lighter, better. And you, like, us as therapists, like, what a cool opportunity to be a part of that and to help and people like, shift their thinking. Whenever people thank me, they're like, oh, thanks for all you've done for me. It's like, no, no, you, <laughs> you let me come with you. Like, thank you for letting me be on this journey with you because it, it just reaffirms for me like how good people are. And so like, I would love to say we all go into this field because we're so altruistic and we just want to help people and we just want to do all these things. But like our work actually makes us feel good too. And like, it keeps us grounded in the world too. Yeah, absolutely. I have the client who I've been working with for a long time now, and she thanked me at our last session. She's like, I, she's like, this last year has just been so much progress. And I was like, you did that. Like, I just sit here and kind of like pose some questions and guide that. But you did the work. Yes. And I think that's really important for people to hear of like, you as the client or you are the one who gets to like drive the bus it's not my job to tell you how to live your life. I can help you break it down and maybe see other perspectives, but you get to make the decision on which path you want to take and how you want to show up in the world. Yes. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, that they have the power and the autonomy to be their own person until like we're sitting face to face, right? And you're like, you get to make this decision. 
<laughs> yeah, again, back to that checklist of like, well, I, I was supposed to do all these things and I'm struggling to do them or I did them and I don't feel good. Like, it's back to that of like, what do you want your list to be? Throw out the one you were given at birth. Let's come up with a new list. What are the things you want to do? And then we'll make your map for that. You make your own map. Yeah. So cool. What a cool job. It is a cool job. It's so <laughs> weird. Cool. It's such a strange <laughs> job, but it's so cool. Yes. Yes to all of that. <laughs> one final question. And then we'll have a couple more after that. But if no one knew what you did for the rest of your life, what would you do? Like if I changed careers? Yeah. Like if, if you didn't have to tell anyone what you did for life, for career, no one has to know. What would you do? I think I'd have to be doing something in the same capacity where I am as much of an introvert as I am. And I could literally like hole up in my house for like months at a time and not see anyone. I think I would not be helping to create the world that I want. I would not be lit walking the walk i would you know be able to talk the talk all i wanted from social media but if i'm not walking it like why are you gonna believe me and so if that's you know engaging with my son in programs he's in and like being a healthy adult in that setting if that's being a mentor to teenagers to whoever people in private practice whatever that is like i think i would just still be like connecting with people as they grow move through like we need that connection for our nervous system again. And so like whatever that connection looks like, I think I would be out there in the world trying to do that in some capacity. Yeah, I love that answer. My answer has been all over the board every time I ask this question. <laughs> I think it started with, I would work in politics of like advocacy of mental health because I don't think I have the capacity to do that in my real life. Mm -mm. And I know that there are people who do and I'm going to let them do the good work that they're doing, right? But if yeah. I had all the free time, nobody knew, I would maybe like go be pounding down the politicians' doors of like, why aren't we doing more for mental tear, health? Tearing down the system. Can I, can I change my answer? I just want to tear down. Absolutely. All, <laughs> I want to tear down all of the systems in America yes. so we can focus on taking care of people physically, yes. mentally, emotional needs, tangible needs. Let's just take care of people. Because again, we are going to be better as a group, as a society, if we just take care of people and let them be who they are. I don't care what you look like. I don't care who you love. I don't care how you want me to, to pronoun you. Like, let's just be nice. Be yes. nice. Just be nice and accept people for who they are. Yes. And I think at the end of the day, like, they don't have a 99.9% .9 of people don't have a direct impact on us, right? Like, correct. You can let them be and let them live their lives in, in a happy, healthy, peaceful way. You, there's no reason to intervene. And I think I will tear down the systems with you. But being peaceful is going to have a greater impact on your life than yes. everybody being in heterosexual relationships. It just is. Right. Totally. Totally agree. 100%. Brooke, where can people find you? They can find me on all of the social media platforms, I believe. So handle for Instagram and TikTok is Redbird Counseling MN. Facebook, it's Redbird Counseling MN 21. I think I have a YouTube. I don't know what that handle is. It's, it's up and coming. It will be there. Okay. Uh, and then on my website, redbirdcounselingmn.com. Yeah. 
blogs, other resources, all the good stuff there. Did we meet on threads, though? We met on threads. <laughs> and so, like, I got on threads like the first week it was coming out and I was like, I'm going to make all the new friends. And I'm going to I met so many people that first week. And then I got overwhelmed and was like, we just need to take a little break. But yes, we met on threads. Yeah, I deleted mine. I was like, this is too much. Well, much. So I just Instagram is my place. I deleted yeah. my TikTok a couple of months back because I had a TikTok go viral and it was not good. <laughs> the TikTok was good. The TikTok was amazing. The comment section got fuck wild. No. So I, I let it run for a while and it got up to like 50,000 views. And the, I was just like, you know what? These people, I put out what I needed to put out. The people on Instagram were very supportive. And I was like, this, these are my people. So yeah. this is where I'm staying. TikTok is a whole new animal. What are you going to do on YouTube? So I am pulling over my reels from like Instagram, TikTok. So they're all just kind of in one place. So you don't have to filter through like the images that I put out there as well if you don't want to. So, Oh, I love that idea. We'll see if it grows into something else. Okay. But for now, that's the goal. Get it up and running. Yeah, I love that. Any final thoughts that you want to leave the listeners with? You're never actually alone. There's people out there. You just got to find them. And don't give up trying to find them, even though it's hard. Yeah, you are never alone. Thank you for this conversation today. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to have you. This was such an honor to speak with you. I feel like we touched on a lot of great things that the listeners will enjoy and resonate with. So thank you so much for being here. I'm going to hit stop now. I hope you found today's episode supportive. If you would like to schedule with Brooke or follow her on social media, please find the links in the show notes. Thank you for listening and please take care of yourself today.